star of the game from your Nashville Predators with two goals, number 84, Tanner Juno! Welcome to another interview version of 32 Thoughts, the podcast presented as always by the all-new GMC AT4 lineup. Now, I can't even pretend to be objective about this next hockey player. That's how much I enjoy watching him play hockey. It's to the point where after he does anything, I get a note from David Amber, something along the lines of, did you see what your boy just did? Tanner Janot is a 24-year-old rookie winger playing with the Nashville Predators. And when you think of Janot, think of the word impact. He's one of the top rookie scorers in the NHL, and he has this old-school physicality mentality. He makes hits. He takes hits. He's not shy about stepping up, as we mentioned in the interview. You know, one of my favorite things about watching Tanner Janot is watching guys that don't know him take runs at him and then get knocked over the minute they initiate collision. He's one of the most jacked players in the league as well. All the cliches, light matches off of him, torn up like a bad report card, all of it. He plays on a line with Colton Sissons and Yakov Trenin, one of the best third lines in the entire NHL. You know, he's a great fit for Nashville in a lot of ways who, you know, even going back to the early days of the Predators, fans have always liked rough and tough hockey players. Oh, and one more thing about Cheneau was never drafted in the NHL. His story is one of hard work and perseverance. Let's get to the interview. Here he is on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, Nashville's Tanner Janot. So you need someone to step up. Why not Tanner Janot right on the back door? Beautiful play. Now we're going to have a scrap. Tanner Janot at Keegan Kolasar. Couple of rights. Kolasar getting his right three. Overhand left. Thrown there by Janot. And the linesman. There is the Predators in the midst of a line change. A shot by Benning in the score. Janot is right in front. And the Predators take a 6-1 lead. Elliot, very pleased to welcome to the program someone who's a combination of new school skill and old school toughness. Uh, he's Tanner Janot of the National Predators, and he joins us on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Tanner, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We're doing well. Um, we've talked a lot about you this season. Wait, wait, wait. You've talked a lot about him this season. I've talked a lot about Tanner Janot this season. I know. Uh, but for good reason. I'll tell you, like... One of my guilty pleasures, Tanner, this season has been watching Nashville Predators games for a number of reasons, but one of them is watching players who don't know you try to hit you and watching them bounce off in almost cartoon fashion. How many times have you ever have you heard a player from the other team say, I didn't think that kid was that strong? Yeah, I heard. well, I heard it a couple times. Uh, even if a guy doesn't go, you know, if I don't put him down or anything he'll kind of say oh that was pretty solid and I'll say the same thing if guys are solid so 
yeah, there's definitely been some pretty heavy collisions. There's some big guys out there. And um, I kind of like the challenge of when a guy's thinking they got me lined up and they want to try and step up on me, I'll, I'll give them all they can handle and win the battle. So I, I just like that as a challenge. Okay, so who is the hardest guy you've hit then? Well, like I said, there's been lots. I guess like it's been in recent memory here. Uh, it was really solid collision that I remember. Neither of us fell over or anything, but it was just one of those ones that kind of just takes your breath away a bit. It was uh, Hawk and Paw on Dallas, and it was just one of the most. He's a big man. Yeah. He's a big dude. Yeah. So that was uh, just in most recent memory, that was one of the most solid ones I've I've had. So I'm curious about your entire journey, Tanner. So I was interviewing David Poyle about a month ago. And it was a night that you played a really nice game in Edmonton. And he said he got into the elevator and there was another scout who got in there with him and said that when Tanner Janot was 17 years old, he played at Moose Jaw and had one goal in 52 games. Who would have ever thought that it would turn out like this? And I'm just curious about your journey, how you feel you got from there to here. You're on the cusp of a 20-goal season if you really thought it was possible, when you began to believe it was possible. And, you know, just take us through the last seven or eight years and how you made it. It's been a pretty crazy journey, a lot of ups and downs and twists and turns. Um, but, yeah, that's true. And my first year in the WHL there, I had one goal and five points, I think. <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily – outstanding year by any means but um you know I was kind of just proud of myself for being there um I wasn't drafted into the WHL or anything and I went to camp as just an invite to the camp not listed or drafted or anything so really if you're in that kind of a position you're just kind of a spot filler and no one's really expecting anything out of you but uh ended up making uh good impression on uh, coaches and management there and I uh, ended up making the team that year and I was pretty ecstatic to be in the WHL at that point that's something you dream about growing up in western Canada that's kind of where you want to make it to and then going through that year I got, I was pretty fortunate I got to play some really good players um, most notable probably Braden Point I got to play with him for two years so I got to just kind of watch him and see how he did things and the skill level he had. So every year I just kind of improved. I got more opportunities each year and just tried to make the most of them. And then my last year there as an overager, 20 year old, I ended up scoring 40 goals and 80 points. And that's uh, kind of what led me into, I signed my first NHL contract with Nashville in playoffs that year. Really before that, I didn't really see myself like being able to be a professional hockey player. It just seemed so out of reach for me. And then that last year, having a really good offensive year and everything like that, it, things were kind of coming into fruition where, you know, I was hearing from teams and my agent was, you know, talking with teams about contracts and stuff. And it was just all pretty crazy for me. I went and I, I played my first year professional in Milwaukee at Nashville's farm team. And my second year, I knew what the league was like. I knew what pro hockey was all about. And I was just excited to get going. And then 
uh, ended up getting sent down to the East Coast right off the bat. So that was uh, kind of a, a little bit of a shock, I guess. And then I didn't last down there too long. I played pretty well down there. And then I went back up to Milwaukee and we had a really good team that year. I think we were in first place in the American League when the league stopped. So that was a really good year. And then the next year after that, coming into the last year of my entry-level contract, Milwaukee decided to opt out of the season with COVID still happening. So I played for the Chicago Wolves. There, I just kind of got more opportunity. We had a younger team. I was getting some power play and penalty kill. I was just kind of doing everything. And I, I played really well that down there, which earned me my first call up to the NHL. Played my first game against uh, Carolina. We uh, we went down 3 nothing pretty quick in the first period there, so I didn't get to play too much that game. But it kind of gave me gave me a taste, and I saw what the skill level was and the, the speed of the game at that level. And I knew that I knew then that that's when I could play at the NHL level. So I ended up getting sent down again after that game for a couple of weeks back to Chicago. With that experience of getting my first game, I. I knew from the level that it was, I knew that I could be there. So my goal was to just continue to improve and show Nashville that I could be there and then ended up getting called back up and spending the rest of the year with them, signing my new contract this past summer and coming into this year, just being really excited, keep making the people that gave me this opportunity happy and proud that they, that they gave me the opportunity. One of my favorite things to do is uh, is talk to junior hockey coaches. I want to go back to Moose Jaw here. Is talk to junior hockey coaches and have them talk about their players. And I can recall whenever I would check in with Tim Hunter, your coach in Moose Jaw, you know, we talk about Braden Point. You mentioned him. We talk about Brett Howden. Some of the more interesting conversations would be around mm-hmm. uh, Nikita Papagayev. Uh, we talk about Noah Gregor, these types of players. And, you know, I remember the first time uh, Tim Hunter talked about you uh, with me and he talked about two things. He talked about your work ethic and he talked about how in shape you were. And we were talking off air a little bit and you know the story about how Tim Hunter wrecked it for everybody in the NHL because he would show up, you know, to camp every year, you know, torn up like a bad report card and everybody else had to, you know, work their boilers <laughs> off. And he kind of, all of a sudden the expectation was you had to show up looking like Tim Hunter. Um, two things. One, did you ever work out with Tim when you're in Moose Jaw? And what are your thoughts on, on Tim Hunter, your, your ex coach of the Moose Jaw Warriors? Um, no, I, I never, uh, never got to work out with him. You know, even then he probably would have shown us all up in the gym. He was still in pretty good shape. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Tim was one of those guys that gave me the opportunity to play, you know, in the WHL. Um, like I said, I went there as a invite to the camp. Uh, I wasn't drafted by them. I wasn't listed. Didn't have anyone pulling for me in, in the back room. I came in and I guess I was a little bit like him where I came in and I had a really good fitness testing, kind of stood out there. And then uh, I just tried to play a hardworking game just like I do now. You know, he was a guy that saw that and he gave me, you know, he fought for me and he gave me an opportunity to you know, have a career in in the WHL and then continuing on for the next four years. My mindset was to get better, but, you know, he he did a really good job of continuing to inspire me to do better and as well just 
give me more and more opportunity as I was earning it. So it was definitely a good experience. Um, you know, my, my four years in the WHL and he definitely contributed to that. One of my favorite players in, in of recent vintage in the NHL was John Madden. And John Madden played at the University of Michigan, and there was a story, and I don't really think anybody likes talking about it, Tanner, but where John Madden and Red Berenson's relationship kind of fell apart for a while because Red Berenson told him, you know, you're probably not going to play in the NHL, and you should think about something else. And Madden took that very personally. Did anyone ever have that kind of a conversation with you where they said, you know, hey, Tanner, this might not work out or anything like that? Um, I wouldn't say that it was straight to my face where people would say that is, but it was more so people kind of saying, well, what's your backup plan and hmm. things like that. And obviously, like, like I said, until I signed my NHL contract, I wasn't sure if I was going to play, you know, professional hockey or, or whatnot. So, you know, I did have a backup plan. If I didn't sign a contract, I was going to go play, you know, CIS and go to school. So, you know, it was more so things like that rather than someone sitting me down and saying, you're not, you're not going to make it. What, what else do you, are you going to do? But, uh, I feel like that's a lot of players and a lot of pro athletes go through that, I think. Um, and that's a big part of being a pro athlete is that kind of mental toughness to get over Mm -hmm. mental obstacles like that. So, uh, what my dad told me all the time when I was you know, younger and he still tells me today is to just control what you can control. And so that's what I wake up trying to do every day is try not to think about the things that you can't control, whether it's, you know, back then it was not getting drafted and not, uh, you know, not being scouted or things like that. It, well, all you can control is your work ethic and what you do away from every, all the noise and everything else and what's going to prepare you for, you know, the big moments. So that's uh, kind of what I like to think about. Okay. Let me, let me follow up on that with, with this question then. If you only focus on the things you can control, does that mean you never have a look at what Lucas Raymond or <laughs> Dawson Mercer or Trevor Zegras or Michael Bunting are doing? <laughs> well, you, you see highlights and things like that, but I like <laughs> to use it as motivation. You know, if, uh, you know, other guys are, are succeeding. I think, you know, it's good for them. You know, every, everyone's trying to succeed. So, uh, if they're doing it, good for them. But I want to, I want to do it just as good or better. You know, that's what sport is all about. You want to play against the best and you want to be the best. So you can't be a best against if you're not playing against the best. So, um, seeing guys have success is, is good, but it kind of just sets a fire under you and you want to do just as good. One of the other stories that Poyle told was that you were not thrilled with going down to the ECHL. <laughs> and he tried to explain it as, we think this will be better for you, but you weren't really too interested in the explanation. How did that conversation go? Yeah, well, no player's ever excited to be sent down. You know, it, it was just a situation where the year before I I was a rookie and I was you know, I was starting to play pretty well in, in my mind when I got injured and then I got injured and I didn't really have a chance to come back. So in my mind, coming back for my second year, I was it was go time and it was ready. I was going to show them who I was and how I was going to the type of player I was going to be for them. And then 
it just felt like my feet were getting taken out from under me right off the bat. But um, that's part of the mental toughness you have to have too. It, I, I had to change from that mindset to seeing it as an, another challenge and, you know, just doing what I could do in the situation that I was in. And that was just trying to play the best I could in the East Coast. And then that got me back to the American League and then continuing to do the same thing until I made my ultimate goal of making the NHL. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a tough conversation for sure. I'm, I'm sure uh, a lot of other guys have had similar conversations to that, but it's just all about uh, your mindset that you got to take out of there. And sometimes it takes time. You're going to be pissed off sometimes, but uh, you just got to fix that mindset as, as best you can and as quick as you can. It's a very brave thing, Tanner, to for a young player to give his GM an honest answer sometimes. Did any of you, <laughs> part of you, walk out after that and say, yeah, I'm not sure that was the smartest thing I ever could have done? <laughs> well, I, I don't think I was disrespectful in any way. You know, I maybe I was wearing my heart on my sleeve a little bit, but uh, yeah, that's the type of person I am. I, I want to do the best that I can all the time. So... I ended up just taking it as a challenge, uh, like they were challenging me to continue to improve. So, and I'm here now, so maybe it was the right call at the time, you know, like it, it did set that fire underneath me. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't regret anything. It was a good experience. It got, uh, it gave me just that extra experience to draw from, I guess. And, and now I can use that in the future. And I know that I don't want to ever have that conversation again. So that's... <laughs> I don't want to ever get sent down again. So I just want to keep going and keep playing well. Your line is a really interesting one. I've talked plenty about the makeup of this line and the players on this line. And, you know, there's a couple of things that stand out from this season. Yakov Trenin, I still, I mean, I, full marks to him. But when I watch him challenging Zidane Chara, I always say to myself, man, this guy is tough. This guy has a lot of guts. <laughs> But, you know, one of the coolest things I've seen your centerman Colton Sissons do was a game against the Florida Panthers, and I think you know where I'm going with this one. I can't recall the last time I saw someone go perfect at the dot. Yeah. And he, you guys had a game against Florida where he went 16 for 16. Like normally on the faceoff percentage, when you see someone's like at 100%, they won like two draws. Yeah. But he goes 16 for 16 at the draw. I, I'm, I'm curious. One, how aware are you guys of that as he's going through it? And two, as the game goes on, do you treat it like players treat pitchers when they have a no hitter going? That you just don't talk to them? You don't mention <laughs> anything about the faceoff because you don't want to jinx it? Yeah, well, you're definitely aware of it, and that was that was an incredible uh, game for him. That was awesome, and he's he's been good all year. Like he's he's an elite centerman for sure. Like you know, we're starting off with the puck definitely more times than when we're not. So that's a huge plus for our line, just having him in the middle there. But uh, yeah, that game. Um, so we were we were aware just by how many times we we would have the puck and in possession right off the bat. So that's that's how you're aware of it. And then, well, definitely me, I didn't say anything about it, but I don't know about, uh, I don't know about Trenny, but you just try to let him do his thing. You know, like that's what we always do. He knows what he's doing in the center. Just let him do his thing. I'm not going to give him any advice. He knows what he's doing. So <laughs> just try to let him keep the hot streak going. And uh, yeah, he did great. It was awesome.
Jeff, you're, I know you want to go on a roll here. I know you got a lot of questions for Tanner, so I'm going to just sit back a bit and let you empty out your uh, okay. wheelbarrow here. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I do have a lot. Like, there's the welcome to the NHL moment that you have when you go and you do your first lap. But then there are other sort of markers along the way, the first goal, the first fight, the first big hit, like all of it. Yeah. When you think of the firsts that you had in this league, which are the ones that stand out for like, which, like, were there moments where you said, okay, now it feels like I'm in the NHL. Cause I'm, I'm sure it doesn't feel like that when you're going out and you're doing your, your warm up lap. Yeah. That first game, your eyes are pretty wide and you try to take it all in, but really your, your adrenaline's going and you're looking at the crowd, you see the crowd and you're hearing it. And the game goes by, honestly, it went by pretty quickly for me. It was definitely a great experience, and it was awesome. But uh, bigger moments for me were scoring my first goal. That was an amazing feeling. Now back to Benning on the right board in the Nashville zone. Lift it where Janot was able to chip it out. Now Trennan follows up on Shen. Sergeyev lost it to Trennan. His shot stopped. Rebound ref right there, and Janot scores! Tanner Janot scores! And the Predators' lead is 6-2. Well, how about that? Uh, the beast line, just tenacious on the forecheck. Trennan is there, forces it up the boards. Janot comes down, disrupts the play, gets it to Trennan. Trennan attacks, shoots it, and Janot right there on the doorstep, going to the net, buries his first career NHL goal. Congrats. Not bad, his third game. Well, he's had an impact all over the ice. Now he's had an impact on the score sheet. <laughs> I was so excited. I fell over when I was celebrating. And I, honestly, it was like, it, my, it was just almost like blacking out. You're so happy. Like all the guys are celebrating with you. And then even after the game, all the guys are just so happy that, uh, that they were a part of it. And it just makes you feel more special about it. So that was definitely one of my best experiences. Another big one was in the playoffs. It was during a TV intermission and we were at Bridgestone and what they did was they told the crowd to make some noise and then they turned all the music off and there was nothing, no noise except for the crowd. And everyone was just going nuts and it was louder than any arena I've ever been in. And hmm. John Heinze was trying to talk to us and you had to be within like a foot of them just to hear them. But for a moment there, I think everyone kind of just took that in and just seeing and hearing all the, all the crowd just going nuts. And it, that was a pretty, that was a big moment for me, just kind of seeing all the, all the support and, you know, being at the highest level. And, and that's what it's all about is for the fans to have a good time too. So that was a pretty incredible one. The stadium series game this year was really special too. That was a really cool experience as well. So there's been so many great experiences that I've had so far and my career is just getting started. So it's been a great experience and I just want to keep it going, take each day, day by day and keep having fun with it. 
You know, you mentioned John Heinzer a couple of seconds ago, and I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in the NHL. And, you know, he's finally got a full season uh, with the team, no disruptions, no shortened season. And we're seeing players do some pretty special things this season, whether it's, uh, you know, the rejuvenation of Matt Deshane, whether it's what Philip Forsberg uh, is doing right now. Uh, Roman Yossi leads all NHL defensemen in points, and you've popped as well. What has John Hines worked with you on or, or helped you with you can point to and say, I'm this player in this area because of that coach? I think uh, what he does really well is he knows the types of player each person is, and he helps bring out the best of that type of player. So, for example, for me, I'm not a player like Matt Duchesne or Philip Forsberg. I'm, I need to get in there more and be more physical and have those good details in my game for me to be offensively successful to do that. And it's just a different type of way of doing it, but that's my way of doing it. And I think he's really good at recognizing what that is. And I think that's why, uh, you know, my line is having success too, is because we're all three of us are kind of the same type of player. I think he finds really good combinations in that sense. It's been really good having him as a coach and I'm excited for the future. I'm pretty good friends with um, a professional wrestler by the name of Eric Young. Um, he wrestled, he works with Impact Wrestling, and he's a huge fan of yours. I can remember the beginning of the year talking to him, and he's in that, got that gravelly, raspy voice. <laughs> this Chanel kid is awesome. Like, he he loves, I don't know if Is this met- going to be a question as if Tanner's going to leave the NHL for, like, the WWE? No, 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 but he's got the physique for it, too. Like, you light matches off this guy. And so Eric just loves you, and I would... I don't know if you've met Eric before. Uh, he goes to Preds game. I think he's a season ticket holder. Being in Nashville and knowing how popular you are, you have a style of game that attracts people. Like, who are some of the people that you go like, wow, I never would have met this person if I was, you know, in, you know, playing with the Everblades <laughs> or if I was still playing with the Admirals. Like, who are some of those people? You know, like last year with COVID and then half this year too, It's it's been a little bit, different I think just people haven't been allowed in the dressing room and things like that so honestly not too many you know I've got to meet a few uh, country artists like at the stadium series game there I got to meet Dirk Bentley Chase Rice was there so just a few different country artists but really it hasn't been too much yet just with COVID going on so hopefully hopefully more of that gets to come okay fitness testing Everywhere you go, you're number one. On Nashville, who's number two? <laughs> uh, Trenny's up there for sure. Hmm. He's got to be up there. Sizzy would be up there too. Probably our line's probably <laughs> probably some of the best. Out there. Here's a better question: Who's out of shape? Like who's like <laughs> like who on your team? You're like who's a total disaster? <laughs> in the 100 meter dash, who's finishing last? That's the better question. <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not too much of a sprinter. I'm more of a long distance guy, so I I don't I don't want to throw anyone under the bus there. <laughs> okay, let me let me let me ask you this one. So uh, Elliot and I work with Anthony Stewart, and Anthony played in the NHL as well, and used to train with Matt Nickel, and like still to this day, he holds the record at Matt Nickel's gym in uh, for trap bar. No one's lifted more than him when it comes to trap bar. He is the king of trap bar. What are you the king of? What's the one thing that no one is touching you at? On our team, probably bench press. 
I could probably outbench most guys. I got a pretty good vertical. Mm-hmm. So I'd say those two things. What do you bench? The ultimate guy question. What do you bench? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I haven't been doing too much in this during the season here, but uh, I think my most ever was, it was probably a couple summers ago. I probably went like 320. Jeez, man. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. I've never really done my max just at one rep except for that a couple years ago. So yeah, I couldn't really tell you my one rep max, but I, I know I did that once a couple years ago. Is there one thing that you love doing in the gym that everyone says, don't do that. Hockey players shouldn't do that. Like curls, for example, <laughs> you know, like what, what are you doing curls for? Like, what, what, like yeah. but is there something you love doing at the gym that everyone says like, don't do that. You know, do that when you're retired. Don't do that now. It's not something that hockey players should do. What I like to do is uh, a lot of days before I do my workout, I like to do like the step master yep. for like five minutes at the max level. I don't know. It's a really good cardio workout and it, it gets me going for the workout. So I don't know <laughs> if that's what you were looking for or not. Yep. A lot of like not too many guys do that, but I, I like just doing that right before my workout. It gets you into it and it's good cardio too. We were in the, in Hamilton the other day before the outdoor game. BX and I were in the, uh, gym before and you know obviously we're not doing the same kinds of things but bx's says that he has this thing where you have to go to the top level and the top incline you have to walk a mile mm -hmm. and when you're done your mile you're done yeah and i'm gonna try this i know that it might be the end of my existence but i'm gonna try this is that the kind of thing you're talking about here yeah like at the end of the five minutes you're like oh my god <laughs> is this going to be done yet or what? But <laughs> yeah, you're definitely tired at the end of it. That's for sure. My father uh, is from small town, Saskatchewan. He was born in uh, Melfort and my dad's family. Mm -hmm. They were in, they were in Melville. They were in Wilkie. They were in North Battleford. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're from Oxbow. Yep. And for you to make it, that's a big deal, Tanner. It's, and, you know, what's it like to go back there? Uh, I've seen you've done a lot of interviews with the local paper there. It's pretty obvious that you haven't lost touch with your roots. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean? Yeah, it's, it's definitely special to go back there, try to make it back there a few times every summer, at least. Sometimes it's hard with training, but, uh, yeah, I tried to make it back there most of the time. My parents still live back there. So I like to go home and just kind of relax there a little bit. But yeah, I, I still have a lot of friends that are there. And I've been getting so much support from back there this year. It's been really cool. The community did a lot for me when I was growing up. So it's it's nice to be able to uh, put it on the map a little bit, I guess. And I try to give back in ways there. There's some fundraisers that I've donated some things for. So I try to give back to them as much as they've given to me. And I loved growing up in a small town, growing up with the same people and making some really good friendships and just uh, being sheltered a little bit from the big world out there. So <laughs> it, it made me into the person I am today and I'm pretty proud of who I am today. So, uh, and I'm proud to be from where I'm from. So it's uh, definitely special to be going back there and getting all the support that uh, I've been seeing from them. How bad was your rookie dinner? <laughs> well, we haven't had it yet. 
Oh, no. Look out. Uh-oh. Yeah, so I guess we'll see. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess because COVID and everything, you really haven't had the opportunity to do it, right? Yeah, that's right. And how many rookies are there? Three official ones. That's not so bad. At least you get yeah. some help there. Who do you think stings you the most? <laughs> you know what? Uh, Phil Tomasino eats a lot. He eats a lot of food. <laughs> so, but yeah, he can sure put it down. So probably him so far. Mm, awesome. Uh, he's a great kid, by the way, with a wonderful yes, family. I got I got all yeah. day for Phil Tomasino. We got all day for you. Tanner, thanks so much for, for stopping by today. It's been a, a wonderful season for you and the Preds. Keep it going. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Take care of yourself, and we'll catch up soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Taking Us Out is a seven-piece indie band from Regina, Saskatchewan that formed in 2008. Saskatchewan, see the theme here? Anyway. Library Voices recorded their debut EP by assembling several orchestra instruments, and soon after, the album was nominated for Album of the Year at the 2009 Western Canadian Music Awards. The band would go on to release four full-length records, with their latest being in 2015. From their sophomore album, Summer of Lust, Here's Library Voices with Regina, I Don't Want to Fight. 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Friends with dive bombs, we wrote such a tale.